But we are definitely here for one special person and one special church, and that's Pastor Barb. Pastor Barb, stand up if you would. Let's honor the mother of the house. Come on. Let her know you love her. Look around, Pastor Barb. These are your people. They love you. She's leading the way. Amen. Somebody say amen. And doing a fantastic job with it. And, um, of course, I've known her her whole life. She hasn't known me quite my whole life, but almost. And, and uh, it's my little sister. And um, to see what God has done. Always knew the call of God was on her. That never been in question whatsoever. Um, great anointing, teacher, preacher. Um, but uh, when it came time that uh, they were beginning to pray and talk about her taking the church, uh, was not something she was looking to do. She probably told you all that. That was, not, that was not on her agenda to do. And there was much prayer and a lot of consideration and, and talking to people, not just my parents, but others. And uh, for them to pray as well. One of the people she called was me, and we talked a little bit about it. And as soon as she told me about it, I just knew in my spirit it was the right thing to do. You know, what's interesting about the one that you should know and understand is that she didn't take it because she was next in line. She didn't take it because she happened to be bishop and pastor Gloria's child. She really didn't. She wouldn't want this. She didn't, she, in fact, she had other plans, if I'm being quite frank about this. And so it was something that needed to be prayed through. She's here because the almighty God set her in this place, and she has an anointing. Somebody say amen. And she's done such a marvelous job and navigated through stuff and COVID and, you know, everything else. And and uh, she's just a fantastic woman of God. And this year's your fifth year of this pastor uh, being your pastor. And, and so we celebrate that. We celebrate all with you all. This is the 20th year of this ministry. So that's, that's four cycles of five. And five is a very important number to God. Five means grace and it means favor. How many is ready for a little bit of favor in your life? Favor on this church. Favor in your circumstances. Somebody say amen to that. I just believe with all my heart that God has poured it out upon this church, and, um, and you're going to start to see it. Um, this week, <clears throat> my wife and I, we were traveling here, and um, this whole week, for some reason, I couldn't get this out of my head. Now I understand why. I kept uh, rem- remembering a time uh, when uh, a church service like this, I believe it was a, it was a night service, and... Uh, the Spirit of God came in the room, just like he did a moment ago. And it was so powerful. And I was leading the praise of worship at that time. I, I didn't have somebody lead for me, so I was leading it. And, and I had my eyes closed, and I was just worshiping God. And we were up here worshiping God. And I literally, you ever had those moments you just forget about the people around you? And I just kind of forgot. Like almost when you open your eyes, you're pointing in a different direction because you're rocking back and forth. I had one of those moments. I was on the platform. I completely forgot about everybody. I was so lost in God. And when I opened my eyes... <clears throat> I saw a mist over the congregation, and I did a double take. I was like, what is that? What am I seeing? It looked like a, like a smoke that had come into the auditorium. My first thought was, is there a fire or electrical thing going on? That was my first thought, and I thought, oh, no, it's probably because my eyes were closed so long. I'm just seeing what I think I'm seeing as smoke, right? I'm just, my eyes are a little bit watery, whatever. So I kept opening and closing my eyes, and it did not leave, and there was a cloud over the place, and God says, that is my glory. You could sense God, but I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. And all of a sudden, 
As we're worshiping God, I said, his presence is here. His glory is in this place. And when I did, that cloud slowly began to fall upon the crowd. And as it fell upon the crowd, you saw arms begin to go up and people begin to cry just un uncontrollably. People shot up out of their seats and came to the altar and hid it and got on their knees before God and began to worship God. Some fell out in the spirit. Nobody touching them. Just fell out. The power of God came in that place and the testimonies of God were like... Um, unbelievable afterwards. I'm telling you, I kept sensing it all week long. There's something up going to happen on Sunday. There's a presence here. Last night, I've been praying uh, all week for this, and last night, I came in here uh, about 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. I came in here, and I began to worship the Lord and walk the sanctuary and pray in the Spirit. And as I did, that same, I didn't see the glory, but that same glory hit me where it felt like I was walking in water. Like I was wading in water. There was like a pressure or something. I can't explain it other than that. And, and I felt the presence of God getting stronger and stronger. I began to weep and to cry and thank God for his presence. And then I sat right at the end, right where you are, sis, right at the end there. And I just sat there for about 10 minutes just soaking it in and didn't say a word before the Lord. And at the end of that, I said, Lord, I don't do this. You know I don't do this. I'm not a spooky spiritual guy, you know. There's enough stuff that we got in life that's spooky enough. I don't need to add to it, right? And so I said, Lord, but I want something from you tonight. Give me something, some sort of sign, something that I can take with me just to, as a, a physical thing that, that I, can, I can say that I have a memory for the rest of my life. And I'm sitting there, the presence of God is all over me, and I, I heard the Lord say, get up. So I got up, and I started to walk around the sanctuary, and I walked to the back. Of the, there's no lights on. It's all dark in here. All I had was a little bit of the booth light on, so it was very dark. And I walked to the back of the sanctuary, and I turned. I'm looking around. Lord, is there something you want me to see? What is it? And again, I don't do this normally. And I turned, and I faced that wall back there, and I saw the most beautiful outline of Jesus on the wall. It was amazing. I was like, I got scared. It frightened me. I said, what in the world? I looked, and I didn't know y'all had a painting of Jesus on the wall back there. I was like, I've never had this experience in my life. And I'm looking. It was Lonnie. It was a picture of Jesus. So that wasn't it. And I kind of chuckled. I said, Lord, I'm just being a dummy, you know. And I just heard the Lord say, just go ahead and go. So I said, okay. I felt the release to go. I walk outside to my car through your, your corridor here through the uh, pastor's office, down in my car, get in my car. And out of nowhere, an electrical storm, a lightning show like I've never seen, begin to happen in this, what is this, northwest over here? Is that right? North, hit this corner of this building and then come back again to float over this building. Not over the strip mall, not over the stuff over here, just over this building line. It was a lightning show like I've never seen before. And I know it hit the rest of the valley later, but it didn't. It was just over this church in that moment. No sound, just the most incredible. And God spoke to me, says, I am going to answer with my lightning. Now watch this. What does lightning mean? Several things it can mean. But here's one thing that we know that it means. It always represents the presence and the power of God. There's a lightning show right now at the throne room of God. Their angels are worshiping God 24-7. Your praise and worship goes before the throne of God. So God always sees lightning as a representation of his presence and his power. The other thing that it does, it always is a sign of God's judgment against his people's enemies. For I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Somebody say Amen. Also, it represents the third thing that I want to share with you is it represents, always represents answered prayer. 
Somebody's been faithful in praying in this place. Because when the prayers of the saints go up before our God in the throne room of heaven, it goes as a vapor or in, into, into the nostrils of God, the Bible says. And then the angel of God takes a censer and fills it with the fire of God from the altar of God, mingles it with the prayers of the saints. And that angel then takes that and directs that prayer straight back down to earth, slams it to the earth where there's what? Thunders, lightnings, and earthquakes. God is on the move to answer your prayer. Somebody say amen. So that's what happened on my Saturday. How to, how to go for your Saturday night. For many of you, you're not where you were, and you're not quite where you're supposed to be. So you're somewhere caught between. And for some of you, you're in the season of contradiction. In other words, what you've been believing God for, what you saw God do for you, has not yet happened. And for some of you, it seems like the direct opposite. And there's a reason for that. In other words, you're not seeing the fruit of what you have been sowing for. Well, I declare in the name of Jesus this morning that the dark night of your soul in your life is over, and I decree that your breakthrough has come in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. Everybody say transition. Transition will always look like failure to the untrained eye. Joseph was one who we can study and we can see a massive transition taking place in his life. And he was a young man that he had a dream. In fact, he had two dreams from God. And each dream, without going into detail, was basically him having quite the authority in the earth, even above his brothers and his mother and his father. These dreams began to build on the inside of him. And, and in fact, uh, Joseph, uh, his father, had had commissioned a coat of many colors to be put upon Joseph. Now, this was a coat that was not commissioned to the other brothers, but it was, in fact, given to Joseph, speaking of, and amongst other things, the favor of God in his life. And that's where I believe this church is at. The favor of God was upon him, and it was, it was, a, it was a directive in, in the sense that it was going to take Joseph all the way into his dreams coming to pass. So Joseph receives a promise from God. Amen? He has a dream. He's got a promise. And then what he's got to realize is there's something called the process that he's got to walk through. So once you get the promise of God, you've got to begin to walk through the process. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And you have prepared a what? A table where? In the presence of my enemies. Get used to having fruit. Get used to eating your big meal with God in the presence of your enemies. Amen. That's called the process. I got to walk through the process to get to the promise, right? So the promise comes, then the process, and then after that, we know the story. He's, he's put in the pit, he's put into prison, but then God then promotes him. So next comes the promotion, which then brings the provision. But many times we want to jump from the promise to the pro promotion and the provision without necessarily going through the process. There is a process. Then the day came for Joseph that the wait was finally over and God had anointed him and blessed him to be the right hand to the king of Egypt. Somebody say amen. The title of my message this morning is No More Delay. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them no more delay. Come on, say it. 
Father, one more time we go before your presence. We thank you for the anointing upon me to speak and teach your word. I can do nothing without you, King. I thank you, Lord God, that it will be anointed to the ears of the people, Lord God, as well. And they'll be able to receive this, Lord God, and put it into motion in their life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, let me say this. The quickest way for your delay to end is to quit talking about your mountain and start talking to your mountain. Amen. We got a lot of people talking about the problems in the government, problems in their life, problems with gas prices, problems with the economy, problems with their family members, problems with their spouse, and can't wait to put it all over Facebook. This is craziness. I can't believe people put all kinds of stuff like that about their family members on Facebook and expect no repercussions. Ain't getting no help. Must have some people uh, been putting some stuff about Facebook. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> Truth of the matter is we got people talking about and not to the mountain. Look what Paul reacts to this, and he's, and he's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and he says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Watch this. We are hard-pressed at every side. Everybody stop right there. That is a fact. They're hard-pressed on every side, right? But it's not necessarily the truth. Yet, watch this, we are not crushed. You see what he says? He says what he wants it to be. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Let me make this statement. Don't let the struggle that you've been going through label you for the rest of your life. People are always trying to put labels on you. He's stupid. He's broke. She's prideful. Um, you know, she's nosy. She, he's worldly. They want you to fit into their opinion of you. Church, it's time you got free from people's opinions. Do you want the applause of man or do you want the applause of heaven? Somebody say amen to that. I want God's applause. Who cares what people think? People will put you in a box and throw away the key if they can get away with it. In fact, the same is true of the Holy Ghost. They try to put him in a box. The church treats him like that crazy uncle we all got in our families. You're invited to Thanksgiving, but we're going to put you in the back room with a Nintendo, right? Because <laughs> we don't want you to come out because you might say something crazy and offend everybody. That's how most churches on Sunday morning thank God for a pastor and a church that still believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and letting him move in their church. Come on. Right? Why? We put them in the back room because we put them out. Well, we'll do a little ministry, you know, away from everybody so they won't get offended. We'll do some baptism of the Holy Spirit in another room so we don't offend anybody this morning because we want everybody just to get along and everybody's going to be good. That's fine. That's fine. But you're not going to have signs, wonders, and miracles doing that way. But I got news for someone here today. 2,000 years ago, they tried to keep God in a box too. They kept him something called the Ark of the Covenant. And they put him in there. And of course, of course, we know that that's where God wanted to be. But there was a coming a day where God was not going to allow himself to be locked down in a box. And when Jesus Christ bled and died, and his blood touched Calvary, the Bible says that in that moment that the veil was split in two from top to bottom. And Jesus stepped, or God stepped out of the box. And he's never gone back in it from that day forward. And now the Holy Ghost can roam and move the way he wants to on the earth. We wanted to move in our churches today. How about Bartimaeus? They labeled him too. They called him blind Bartimaeus after his handicap. And now the handicap is what has defined him or labeled him. 
if they just knew that Bartimaeus was about to get a breakthrough, they would have called him Breakthrough Bart. Do we have any breakthrough people in the room today that's ready for it? I believe by the end of this service, we're going to pray and breakthrough is coming into this house and breakthrough is coming into your house. Church, you've got to turn the tables on the labels. When they call you broke, you say, I'm just downsizing. When they call you messed up, you say, I'm just reorganizing. When they call you a liar, you say, I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Someone shout, I'm turning the tables on the labels. The word of God says, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Job said, when they cast you down, you say, exaltation, promotion shall come. You say healing shall come. You say deliverance shall come. You say my money shall come. You say hope shall come. How? In the name of Jesus. You've got to break the cycle of doing things in the natural and get back to the spirit where all things are possible. Lonnie and I were having a conversation about the fact that there's such a cultural, uh, what was it called, Lonnie? We called it cultural um, in the church. You had a name for it cultural philosophy that's invaded the church and the kingdom philosophy has gone out the door. We got to get back to the kingdom. We got to get back to the spirit where all things are possible, where all of a sudden God shows up and cancer has to go out of your bodies. Arthritis has got to come up out of your body. Somebody say amen. I believe that God can grow out a limb if he wants to grow out a limb we got to get back to that kind of thinking and that kind of understanding. Get back to the spirit. This is not the Burger King religion. <laughs> Burger King is have it your way. Remember the commercial? Have it your way. We can't have it our way. It's got to be Yahweh or no way. Somebody say amen. It's got to be God's way. God's got to be the one. Church, everything we need to know about ourselves in order for it to work in our lives is found in Genesis chapter 1. Let's find out the, the label that God wants to give you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, just, yeah, verse 26, if we may. They'll put it up on the screen for you. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Say dominion. dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Say, I'm blessed. Then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Blessing is the empowerment. It's the empowerment of God to what? To prosper, to do well, to go over, to arrive into your destination. Basically what that means. And so God empowers them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So that's why they, there may be a recession that's going on. Maybe the government hasn't called it that, but we're not blind. We see there's a recession going on. And um, they're talking food shortages and everything else. Uh, there is no shortage. Well, yeah, preacher, yes, there is, because I've been watching the news. Forget the news. Those, that's the prophets of Baal anyways. You don't want to be listening to the news you got to be listening to what God says. We need to have ears to hear. Come on, somebody, and eyes to see. This is how we're supposed to. God is forcing his people to start to walk by faith, 
to what start to be in the spirit. Amen. And so you can't trust the news report. So there is no shortage. Why? Because we, God's people, have an empowerment to prosper. Wherever we are sent, wherever God takes us, we have an anointing to multiply, to be fruitful, and watch this, and to do what? And to be, to be able to restock or to replenish and fill our earth. Everything you take off the shelves, you can have the ability to restock it. I don't want to preach too long on that, but I just want to share that with you. There is no shortage for you and me as believers in Christ. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God, in the beginning of time, literally reproduced himself. He reproduced himself. I am not after the kind of an animal. I'm not in the animal class. I'm not in the animal species. They'll teach you that in school, but that's a lie out of the pit of hell. Because it mis- what happens is it misrepresents who you really are. And the enemy knows that. And he did this in the beginning. The enemy came in the beginning of time to make sure they were confused with their identity. So in truth, God passed on to man his very nature. And it's natural for God to speak to things that do not exist. When God wanted light, he said, light be, and it was. Where did he speak it? He spoke it right in the darkness. Are y'all hearing me? I said, God spoke what he wanted right where it wasn't happening. Right? So it's natural if we're made in his image and his likeness to speak like God speaks. Don't, don't, don't think so? You don't think so? Hit your thumb with a hammer sometime and see what happens. I bet you start talking to the hammer like really, really tough. And y'all already know what you might say too, praise God. Hit, stub your toe in the middle of the night and see what comes out of your mouth. You're talking to the door. You're talking to the furniture that your wife moved in the middle of the night. You had no idea she moved, right? Have your car not start. Oh, Jesus. In August when it's 185,000 degrees outside in Arizona. That's, we're, com- we're coming from the north. That's what it feels like. And you got to walk, and you're just barely making it to your car, and then you get in the car that now is 250,000 degrees inside the car, and you get in there because you don't know about all the tricks of putting the tent on the windows and the shades. You don't know any of that stuff. You're from the north. And you get in the car, and then the car won't start. And you know it's 500 miles to get back into the mall from your car where it's parked. And you got to, come on now. Guess what? You start talking to the car. I'll blame my wife for stuff like that. I just blame her. I just I can't help myself. My flesh gets going. I got to blame somebody, right? That's the truth. We start talking to stuff like it's there that's not even there. Have somebody front you off sometime and get in your face at church sometime and tell you something that kind of hits you the wrong way. You don't say nothing right there because you're a little bit shocked, but get in your car. Praise God. You pull that, you pull that mirror down. Let me tell you something right now. If you ever, no, you just, they're not even there. Speaking of cars, I got lots of car stories because when you're young, you don't have nice cars. You know what I mean? And so we didn't have a real reliable car but we were, uh, we lived in Rockford, which is about, uh, Illinois, which is about an hour and a half from Chicago, from downtown Chicago. And, uh, and so my friend, who was a bodybuilder, was going to be in a, in, a, in a show. And so we wanted to go support him. And so it was a big deal. It was at the Palmer House in, in Chicago downtown. 
And, uh, and so we drove to the Palmer house. And on the way there, my car began to overheat. And I was like, oh, no. You know, this is the day before cell phones. And there weren't even beepers then, you know. And, uh, and uh, we didn't have any credit cards or anything. We were young. Didn't have any extra money in our pockets. We just went there. And so we get there, and they're, they're parking cars inside the ramp. And we go inside, and I, I, he can tell the car's not, he can see there's a little bit of steam coming out the front of it, so he knows it's not running right. And I get outside, my car's over, he goes, just pull it over here. So he kind of detoured us, and, and he pointed right to the, their little offices down in the bottom of this ramp. And so uh, I think he thought I was just going to get on the phone, get somebody there to fix it, but we just went inside. So... <laughs> So we left it there, and so we go inside, and, and, um, and you know, everybody's it's hyped up and all the stuff. It's a big show, and I, and I mean, I'm miserable because I know I got to deal with this car, and I don't want to leave my friend. I hadn't seen him yet. He's after the intermission, but I'm like, we, I got to do something before it gets too late, something. Don't know yet what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out. So I told her during the intermission, I said, honey, let's just go. She said, yeah, let's go. So we went there. The guy flagged. He knows. He remembers. He flagged me. He said, you got to get your car out of here. He's flagging me down. You got to get it out of here. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It overheated. He says, got to go. So, you know, it's Chicago. They're not going to help you out. They're not going to do anything for you. And I'm too prideful to ask. So I jump in the car. It starts. I pull the car out, and uh, I park it along the side of the road. Now, I'm not serving God in those years. This is about, uh, about 1988. I'm not serving the Lord in this time. But my wife, uh, she came back with the Lord strong. We were married for about two years at that time. And uh, so she was really serving the Lord pretty strong. Matter of fact, um, she would go all to my mom and dad's bishop and pastor Gloria's uh, meetings. They weren't, they weren't pastoring yet, but they'd had little meetings in the area. And she'd go, and, and uh, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then her and my mom became prayer partners and just ruined my life. Literally ruined my life. <laughs> that ain't no joke. That happened. It just turned my, I turned my whole, I was having a happy, pretty happy life without Jesus for a few minutes. And then bang, you know, she just got on fire. And so I didn't know what to do. So I'd get out of the car. I opened the hood of the car. I checked the radiator, first thing to do. And I can see all the way down to the bottom of that radiator. How many knows you're not supposed to be able to do that? There's supposed to be some green stuff in there, right? Some antifreeze is supposed to be in there. I can see all the way to the bottom. And I also noticed that we had an electric fan that was not working. So obviously we were stuck. And I get in the car and she, I told her what was going on. And she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, what can we do? I don't know. I have to walk somewhere or whatever. She goes, nope, here's what we're going to do. I thought, okay. And she, I listened to her. She goes, uh, I have been learning. Your folks have been teaching about that we can call those things that be not as though they were. And that we have authority even over things if we'll simply speak it by faith. And this is what she's telling me. Now, she's telling me something I grew up hearing my whole life. I don't, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but I don't want to hear. You know when you're backslidden? If God does something for you, you don't want to have to owe him. Come on, somebody. Then I owe God. You know, I don't want to owe God. So I want to be in my sin. So <laughs> I'll be honest. And so she, uh, she says, this is what we're going to do. I said, woman, you don't understand. There's no liquid inside of the radiator. We're not going to get three blocks down, down the road here. 
She goes, oh, no, just grab my hand. Just grab my hand. We're going to speak right now. Now, just say these words. I said, I grab, she grabbed my hand. I said, no, I'm not praying that prayer. I said, it's not going to work. There's no liquid. And even if there was, there's no fan to keep it cool. We're not going to get out of here without some help. She goes, nope. And she just grabbed my hand in the name of Jesus. And she began to pray. She says, now pray this prayer after me. I'm thinking, I don't want to pray this prayer after you. She said, pray to, she said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Car, car, start, start. And she said, now, Carr, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make it all the way home without any incident in the name of Jesus. And I said all that. She said, angels of God. I said, angels of God, come forth and help us out now in Jesus' name. So I speak it. I don't. It's a reluctant prayer on my behalf. I don't want to pray the prayer. I'm just doing it to show her that it's not going to work. That's where I was at. Okay? So, so anyways, so uh, she goes, now, just go ahead. This is the kicker. She goes, now, just go ahead. And she said, now, your folks said that when we do this, we've got to then praise God as if it's already done. Okay? So she said, so here's what we're going to do. Every city block, we get to the end of every city block, every single one of them, we're going we're gonna to say, thank you, Jesus. I thought, thank you, Jesus, I'm going to do it. Well, I said, whatever, it ain't going to make it. So we get to the first block. We pass the first block. She says, okay. Say, thank you, Jesus. Let's say it. I said, I'm not doing it. She goes, you have to say, thank you, Jesus. We have to give him thanks. <sighs> thank you, Jesus. You know, and she said, okay, now we got to another city block. She said, she said, now say, thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. Now, now we've done this for about 10 blocks. And she's now say, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Like that. And now, now we're about two miles away, three miles away from the Palmer house. We're getting through the downtown area and past it. And now we're getting the freeway to get home. And she says, now say hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And then she said, now every sign we see in the highway, we're going to say thank you, thank you, Jesus. And by, the time, and by the time we got about five miles, I was going, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. No joke. So then I started thinking, I'm going to test this sucker. I said, all right, we're going we're gonna to really see if this thing's going to work. The way. And I, I don't know what got into me. So I downshifted that thing, third gear. Only had four gears. I in third gear, went, wah, and I ran those RPMs up and then shifted in, in the fourth. And that car is God is my way. We're passing cars and weaving uh, on, on the I-90 on the way to Rockford. And that car never ran so good. It ran as if it was a 911 Porsche or a Maserati. That thing and was fat. And just, I never, that car never ran so good. And I'm going, oh, my God, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to make it. We got all the way to Rockford. All the way to where on the other side of Rockford, we pull in our little house. We had a little shotgun house, and it had a long driveway to the to the garage. And so we pull up just to the front door to get out. It was winter time, and uh, and so we get out. And I'm just in the I just can't believe what just happened. This is impossible. What just took place? And so I get out. I'm in amazement. And, you're, and then uh, uh, my wife said, she said, "Honey, you know it's probably going to snow tomorrow, so you probably need to, uh, you know, uh, get in the car and pull it toward the garage so it doesn't so we can shovel in the morning." I said, "Okay, yeah." I jump out of the car. It starts right up. I drove about 50 feet to the end of that driveway, and the car goes, and completely overheats. All I know was when she was in the car, it worked perfectly fine. Church, you can call those things that be not as though they were, and it's got to obey you. Somebody say amen. amen. Look, we're waiting on God, but the truth is for many of you, God's waiting on you. 
God's waiting on you. He's waiting to see the words that are come out of your mouth. He's waiting to see if you will have the faith to believe. This is the year of testing for God's people. And we got to believe. We got to trust him wholly like we've never done before. God is waiting on your reaction to what's going on. I remember the old song, waiting on you, waiting on you, patiently waiting on you. I ain't worried about the time. Lord, I seek to find my strength while I'm waiting on you. Remember that song? And then God sings back to you, I'm waiting on you, (laughs) waiting on you. See, God is looking for people that will have faith to believe him where he's at and just say, I'm going to step out no matter what it looks like. I can't wait for God to fix my problem. That's not how it works. I've got to take the step of faith to trust and believe him. I've got to speak to things and believe that God's going to cause them to transpire in my life. Having the nature of God is a revelation that God's people have to receive. We are a reproduction of God in the earth. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you look marvelous. You look marvelous. We, the Bible says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what that means? You know what an ambassador is. It's someone who stands in the stead of the one who sent him. So when an ambassador leaves the United States of America to go anywhere in the world, Germany, Russia, Haiti, wherever, right? They go as an ambassador. They go in the power and the authority of the president of the United States of America. And when he gets there, they treat him as if the president was standing right there, okay? When the Bible says that we're ambassadors for Christ, God has sent us into the world with his stamp of approval, his anointing his favor his authority that wherever we go we stand as god in the earth you're not god you're just like the ambassador is not the president but you stand in that authority the only one you answer to is god and church we were created to operate based on where we come from which is heaven not from where we've been sent which is the earth Lonnie Bingle, he knows all too much about this. He goes to different nations of the world, uh, and he knows that you can go, there's nothing like America. There's nothing like America. We take for granted the things that they wish they could, they could have. I mean, their end goal is stuff that we just throw away, you know. And but he also knows that when you go and there is an embassy and the ambassador stays at the embassy, you'll notice that the embassy is beautiful. You go to the third world countries, poverty everywhere. You go to the embassy, it's like God shines on it. There's beautiful manicured grass and gates, and, and, and they have three meals a day that are beautifully catered, and it's the gorgeous building and facilities, and they get the best, the best, with the best cars and everything else. Why? Because even though they're in that third world country, they don't have to live by the dictates of that country. They live by the dictates of the country that sent them. So then why are we putting up with the crap, excuse me, I know Sunday morning, and the garbage that goes on in our lives, we just put up with it, I guess we just have to do it. No, you do not. You've been sent from God who has given you everything. The Bible talks about the fact that you have been given everything, dominion over all. Not people, but circumstances. And that's where the delay comes many times in our lives. We don't recognize who we really are. We as believers in Christ are to operate firstly in the kingdom realm rather than the earth realm. 
And Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. It's not a matter of not having what we need. It's a matter of what are we seeking first? Is God first place? Is the kingdom first place in our life? Jesus also said, we are in the world, but we are not of it. Amen. All right, so if a cow, how much time do I have, Barb? Pastor Barb? All the time in the world? Well, I'm hot and hungry, so I'm not going to say all the time. But uh, Let me just do this. If a cow reproduces, what does it produce? Cow. Okay. If a horse reproduces, what does it produce? If God reproduces, what does he produce? Oh, oh don't say it. Preacher, don't say it. If God reproduces, what does he reproduce? God. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're God? Absolutely not. You have to submit to God. Why? He's your father. So my father is Jerry Pruitt, right? That's my dad. He's a Pruitt, but I'm just as much a Pruitt as he, and he's no more Pruitt than I'm Pruitt, but I'm not Jerry Pruitt. I'm Jeff Pruitt. So I'm in his lineage. I'm his son. I've been made in the natural like him unto his image, right? In his likeness. Same thing with you. What, you're saying, what I'm saying to you is he didn't make you after the image of angels. You're so much higher than that. He made you in the image of himself. And after his likeness, that means you're in the same class as God is. So when the enemies attack you, he's attacking you because every time you wake up, he's looking into the eyes of God. The word says, even as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So my identity in him is not as much me telling people who I am as it's me showing them who I am. My works, my bold works under righteousness should be proof of my identity. Not the things I say, but the things I'm doing. Boldly. Church, you have to get bold. Boldness manifests the kingdom of God in your life. Weakness and timidity and sitting back waiting will never manifest God's best for you. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven or God show up in your life, you've got to take it by force. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Take it is the word biasio. It means to snatch it away. It's, I'm not giving you a second chance. I'm taking you for, for the kingdom. I'm ta- you've got to get passionate. You've got to have zeal. You've got to come to church on a Sunday morning and not wait for the praise and worship team to sing your favorite song and, and, and get you into some sort of frenzy. You've got to come to the praise and worship and go, oh, my God, we've got to step it up. These people are going nuts on us today. Like, almost like they've got to step it up to the next level because your praising and worshiping is so intense and so passionate. Don't put it on these people. Come ready to worship God. Only got half the amens, Pastor Barb, but we're working on it. Praise God. I'm leaving after this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lonnie, this is how it feels, huh? Praise God. You just go in and just. I, um, this morning, and I'm not going to take you much longer, we're going we're gonna to let the Spirit of God move for just a moment before we celebrate. But I want to say something to you. I, I know when I'm working with weakness in me, and I know when I'm stepping on faith and being bold. Why? Because there is an absolute difference in the fruit. 
I got to be willing to stand in front of people I don't know and be willing to make mistakes and be looked at a certain kind of way if I'm going to be bold because not everybody's going to understand that. But the people I minister to, they're going to be thankful. Right? And in your life, it's the same exact way. I was up here, in my, my, not here, but in my church and platform. And um, <clears throat> the Spirit of God was moving. I don't remember the circumstances, but I had an altar call of some kind, and, and it was amazing. I mean, we have a, a large altar, call, our altar, and so we had like two lines, maybe 100 people. I don't know. A lot of people. And uh, I'm standing up here, and the Spirit of God's all over me. He's all over me. I see a woman off to my side, and, you know, she's not acting like the rest of the people. She's moving back and forth, and she's reeling and then talking and whispering. I'm like, something's wrong with her. You look at her, and you go, okay, she's been drinking. You can tell this woman's been, you just know, you know, she's been drinking. Young woman, nice-looking ladies, you know, 25, 26 years old, off to her side. The person she's whispering to is a member of my church, so I know she brought her. And she's trying to get her to calm down. She's trying to settle her down. So I'm up here. I'm on this side of the platform, and the Spirit of God hits me, and I know I'm the minister to her, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just made a beeline straight to her and pointed my finger, and I said, I know you. I didn't know her. (laughs) Sometimes stuff comes out your mouth when you're allowing the Spirit of God to flow through you that you go, whoa, what did I just say? I don't know her. I'm lying. I don't know her. I recognized it's the Holy Spirit saying, I know you. That's what came out of my mouth. And when I did, I said, now what? God, everybody got everybody's attention. I got her attention. She's like, okay. God's my witness. You were there. You know. I said, the devil is trying to kill you with cancer. That was the second time I said, oh, no. What did I Here's a perfectly healthy woman, no signs of sickness at all. The devil's trying to kill me with cancer. When I said that, she fell out in the power of God. I jumped down off the platform. I ran around. We laid our hands on her. We cursed that cancer in the name of Jesus. Her friend who goes to our church was going, what is going on? What is happening? We went and we started ministering to the rest of the people, and there were great things that began to happen. I had forgotten. Well, I didn't forget about it, but I just didn't think to follow up on it. Got word a couple days later that the woman who goes to our church, she said, get Please tell pastor that the woman he prayed for that day about the cancer, uh, she, uh, uh, on the way home, she said, how did that man know me? And how did he know I had cancer? And she said to her, when were you going to tell me you had cancer? She starts crying. She says, I haven't told anybody. I haven't even told my mom and dad. I didn't know how to tell anybody. That man knew I had cancer. She said, honey, that man didn't know you had cancer. God knew you had cancer. God healed your body. Somebody say Amen. She goes back to the doctor. She's absolutely cancer-free. Somebody say praise the Lord about that. All because of boldness, stepping out by faith. Amen. I can tell you right now, Holy Ghost boldness will not come if you're not willing to live right before God. Whatever happened to holiness? There's so many people running around saying, I'm a Christian, but live like a heathen. Got the fish emblem on the back of their car. Someone cuts them off. They cuss them out in traffic. Come on. Come on now. Got their Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt on while they're sleeping with everybody but their wife. You got your Christian status on your Facebook account while you're gossiping and backbiting and murmuring against people in your church. You got your church flow pics on IG right next to your club pics popping your booty. This is the lo- 
I'm a pastor. I live with the sheep. I know. I see the pictures. They go to my church. What do you do? I know what I want to do. Pastor Bob, you got quiet again in here. <laughs> Talking about, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. No, you need to get saved. You need to give your life to Jesus because you don't act like that when you get right with God. There's a difference in having Christ and having religion. Religion reminds you of what you don't have. Christ reminds you of who you are. And when you know who you are, there is no more delay. The delay is over. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Amen. I'm going to save this for the next time I come. Amen. Not five years from now, hopefully. Praise God. Did you all enjoy the word? Okay. You can play if you want to. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to the feet if they will, please. Holy Spirit, we're going to ask you to move now in this place. You know every need. You know everything that's going on in people's lives. God, you know, you knew before they got here what they needed from your spirit. God, in this great day of celebration, I'm asking you to move with your might and with your power in this place, in Jesus' precious name. I'm going to ask for the praise team to come. I want you to sing that third song. You might have to switch instruments to do that. Could we do that? Can we sing that third song y'all sang? That really was a, just a powerful thing. We're going to ask the Lord to minister in this place right now to you, God's people. God's about to do something in this house. God's ready to move in this place. I feel it. I sense it so strong. That lightning storm was over this church. God's judging your enemies. His presence, his powers is coming like never before into your lives. And God is answering your prayer. Amen. Just lift your hands in this place. Lift your hands in this place. And give me just a moment. We're going to worship the Lord and then we're going to begin to minister. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this house.